My guest today is Amber Naslin. Now, Amber is a 20-year sales and marketing executive, and she's currently driving enterprise growth and marketing success with B2B technology companies at LinkedIn. Yes, LinkedIn. Amber is also the co-author of the social media business book, The Now Revolution, and you can find her publishing frequently on LinkedIn with her courageous career newsletter. When she's not working, Amber is a single mom to a teenage daughter. She's an equestrian. She's a rescuer of pit bulls, which we didn't even get into, but of course I love. And she's also a freelance writer. Now we get into many of these things in our conversation. We also talk about her 2023 experience of losing both her parents in rapid succession, along with some professional changes that she experienced over the last decade, some of the real lows that she went through and everything that she has learned since. And I loved our conversation about how she navigated her own hard costs. I also wanted to acknowledge that Amber was incredibly pivotal for me during one of my own professional hard costs. I actually reached out to Amber shortly after I had left a corporate role during a time of extreme burnout. And I've shared some of that story on previous episodes and you can catch up. This was really a me issue. You know, I really reflect and I think what were the circumstances and what was the environment that led me to get to the point where I felt really lonely and angry and emotional and confused and, and lost. And then all of a sudden, the bottom kind of dropped out with job loss. And as I was fully still in the figuring it out phase, I reached out to Amber. And even though Amber is incredibly well-known and influential and busy, as you'll hear about, and of course you can imagine with all the accolades I shared in her intro, she agreed, in fact, almost volunteered slash demanded to get on a Zoom with me. And we really talked through what I was experiencing and what my next steps could be. And I share this with Amber in our interview here in Hard Costs, but what was so amazing to me is that here was somebody who I knew very, very peripherally through social media and through previous speaking events and, and really me just following her and really being inspired by her over the years. For her to take the time to have that conversation with me where she validated what I was feeling and really made me feel heard and seen and okay, and then mapped out a path for what my future could look like. That one conversation really changed things for me. Now I had to do the hard work and I had to make the decisions and I had to move forward, but having somebody who was in my corner and who was willing to assist me through absolutely no exchange. Uh, she didn't charge me for this call. I didn't hire her to be a coach. It was just a call that I think was probably a blip on her radar, but incredibly important to me. And I think about that call with Amber frequently when I'm counseling people now and when I'm coaching them in their own business. And so I shared with Amber how impactful that conversation was when we had it. And I just want to encourage you as you listen to this episode or any of the other episodes, or as you reflect in your own life, really want to encourage you to think about who is that person for you and who are you that person so without further ado, my conversation with Amber Naslund. Welcome to Hard Costs, the podcast. I'm your host, Katie Widrick, fractional CMO and funnel fixer. 
And guess what? I'm good in a crisis and I know how to see through the chaos to find clarity. That's something I've learned from working behind the scenes as a strategic partner for visionary CEOs. I'm on a mission to bring founders to the forefront and to tell the truth about the hard costs of doing business. You know, we all see wins shared on social media highlight reels every day, but what we don't often get a glimpse into are the tough times, the lost revenue, hiring and firing, moments that required major pivots and so much more. On Hard Costs, we're bringing forward the stories that will help you understand that the roller coaster ride you're on is all part of the gig. And just like a roller coaster, the founder journey can be pretty thrilling. Take a listen while I share my own experiences, case studies from companies I've worked with, and I'm joined by some of my favorite founders to help you navigate this storm the right way. Now let's rise together. Amber, welcome to Hard Costs. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited that you're excited because as listeners heard in the intro, I genuinely count you as one of the most pivotal people who like sort of intervened at a time in my life when I really needed wise counsel. And I don't say that at all to make you feel like it should have had that same impactful moment for you. But I just, I look at like all of these hard costs that I've gone through in my business and like who showed up for me and who really was like willing to kind of cut through the clutter and shake me a little bit. And a conversation that I had with you really changed everything for me. Very dramatic. I know that when you agreed to come on the show, I was like, what an amazing opportunity for me to pay that forward and bring all of your goodness to my listeners. So truly, thank you for for doing this. And thank you for everything that you do so transparently and honestly on all your platforms. Well, that's so kind of you. I, first of all, I'm just so glad that that chat that was like so natural and easy for me had an impact. That's That's always the most rewarding part of doing that kind of stuff. And I've had lots of people who have given me those moments in return. So I love the idea of paying it forward because that's kind of what it's all about. Yeah. And what I love about you in particular, but also leaders like you is that I'm sure that with everything that has happened in your life, and we're going to get into some of those hard costs that you've had, you know, the fact that you, uh, at least from the outside looking in, really see the value in sharing that journey, sometimes in real time, like here's what I am facing right now. Here's how it feels. Here's how it sucks. I'm just curious, and we'll jump right in. When you have been experiencing things, whether it's trauma or job loss or mental health or debt, being a single mom, losing your parents, like, I mean, these are just some of the things that you've had to go through. How does it feel to do that in public and to share so transparently? What compels you to do that? You know, it's funny. I was just having this conversation with a colleague yesterday who was asking me kind of a similar question about why I do so much out loud and why I do share some of the things that most people, well, I shouldn't say most people, but a lot of people would think of as like either out of bounds or uncomfortable or highly personal, oversharing, like depending on who you are. My take on it is that I'm trying to be the person I needed when I was going through those things because going through very difficult life-altering circumstances, whether it's a business failure or a layoff or death of a parent or, you know, whatever like big life circumstances happen, it can be incredibly lonely and isolating. And you can feel as though you were the only person experiencing that hardship, that pain, the shame, the fear, all of the things that come with those things. I want people to feel less alone. And it turns some people off because they don't like the touchy-feely stuff. And that's okay that those aren't my people. But 
I needed a lot of that high touch presence from people. And even sometimes a cozy stranger on the internet that you don't know personally, but who validates what you're feeling going through or echoes your thoughts back to you, things that you couldn't find a way to put into words or words that you're afraid to say out loud can be incredibly comforting when you're going through hard things. So like I said, I'm just trying to reflect back what I needed when I was going through those things and hopefully be that lifeline for somebody else. I love the way that you framed that. And I'm wondering, you know, you say that you're trying to be the person that you needed. Was there a particular moment? And I sort of rattled off a bullet point list of of really deep, dark, you know, challenging things that you've gone through. But was there a time with one of those scenarios or maybe something else where you did feel alone and you didn't have an Amber rising to to that role? Oh, 100%. It was actually when my business collapsed in, I think, 2013, 2014. And it was the loneliest and most frightening experience of my life. I mean, it, it devastated me financially. It, I lost friends. I lost relationships. Um, I questioned everything that I knew I had like I was consumed with self-doubt and that was also in a period of my life where I was very very visible online my book was only a couple of years old at that point I was still very active on the speaking circuit I was very active on social media and I withdrew and retreated from all of those things in a really hard way because I was riddled with shame I was riddled with fear and uncertainty And those are the moments where you do kind of figure out who really is in your corner and who isn't and the kind of people who choose to show up for you um, or, or don't. And it was a really hard time for me. And I think I had the unfortunate experience of a lot of people just disappearing. And I was desperately trying to find other people who had gone through similar things to just somehow tell me it was going to be okay. Or tell me that I was going to be okay and that I was not like a failure of a human being because I was going through some hard things. And I just didn't really have that at the time. And I needed it badly. And I had my family who was like really helpful and supportive, but my daughter was young. My mom doesn't really or didn't really know, you know, anything about this. She could be like, add a girl, honey, I love you. But I didn't have sounding boards who had been through what I was going through and who were willing to have those conversations for me. And to this day, like it, it breaks my heart that a lot of people that I was close to, um, or I thought were kind of like my allies or people in my corner, um, weren't. And so it was like kind of a tough life lesson, but obviously I'm just one human and I can't scale to, to being that person for all the people. But if I can do things like having the chat we had and give somebody just a little bit of juice to be like, show up tomorrow and keep doing the thing, I feel like it's worth it to me because that's what I needed. And I knew I know how important it would have been had I been able to get it. Yeah. And you said something in there that really reminded me. I mean, this conversation that you and I had was probably three years ago. I mean, again, I I wouldn't even expect you to remember it. But what I what I remember is that I was feeling sort of like hurt by the dissolution of relationships that I thought were stronger than like a professional relationship. And this like, like the feeling, it's all of the the adjectives that you shared. You know what I, there's a saying that my, my husband and I actually use I'm just like, I'll come in and I say, do you need a friend or do you need a fixer? Because I'm an operator. Like I am a steamroller. Oh, this is the problem. Obviously, here's how you fix it. And it's taken me a lot of years in a lot of therapy to realize that sometimes people just need to like be heard and have a safe place to vent. And I remember that that's really what you were for me, which is like, hey, 
it is okay that you feel this way. And like, yes, this thing happened to you and you don't even need to worry about fixing that. Like just own the fact that that sucked. But also like here is a logistical tactical path to follow. And I love that you just said like, that's kind of what you were, you were identifying with what you went through. It's like, I want someone to see me and hear me and tell me it's okay to feel this and also help pull me and help map out, you know, the next steps. When you look at the timeline of that, when you were kind of at the lowest low of the business failure and looking at all of these relationships that have dissolved, how long did it take you to really feel like you were back on solid ground? Years, many years. What I'll also share too is that I'm not trying to assign a bunch of blame to like people who didn't show up for me. I was not the best version of myself at that time of my life either. Like as you well know, when you go through difficult things sometimes, um, I was angry. I was bitter. I was I was depressed. I was afraid, and that doesn't bring out our best qualities all the time, you know. So part of it was I also needed people to help me show up better, and but I had to dig through a lot of that for myself. And I think when I went back to like a real kid job um, in like 2014 when all this happened, and then I went through subsequently went through two layoffs in a period of two years. And that was just like insult on top of injury. So I would say that it probably took me five years to get to a point where I felt like I had my feet underneath me again. And there were so many factors that go into that. Um, like I said, being a single parent of a young kid, like financial stress that goes with it, um, the tumultuous relationships, the tumultuous, like, what am I doing with my career kind of existential crisis that you, you go through. I would say that it probably took me a good four or five years before I felt my footing again. And I would honestly say that I didn't start feeling like myself again, like energized and kind of ready to tackle the world. I feel more like myself in the last three months than I have felt in a long time. And I think that that's partly coming on the wake of losing my parents, um, both of them inside the same year. And that really puts a lot in perspective for you about what matters, what you should care about, where you're spending your time, where you're putting your energy. Um, but I feel a little bit like I can exhale for the first time in a really long time. So that's like, what, 10 years? Yeah. And I think it's like anything else, whether it's building a business or working on yourself, you know, we look at whatever the saying is, you know, people's highlight reels, but really understanding that these things can exist at the same time. You can you know, love yourself and be working on yourself. You can love X, Y, and Z and want better, or you can be really struggling and still have good days. And I think like, that's always what's really interesting to me is to understand that this is a, it's a lifetime journey, right? And so yep. like trying to accelerate it, I think sometimes and looking at what other people are going, like what they share. Again, I just keep coming back to like why I think it's so beautiful that you have really journal. Like I think about building a business in public and that's what I see you do is like in real time, this is what's happening. This is how I feel. This is how I'm tackling it. And I think you've really like shown that the process can be hard and isolating even when you're making forward progress. You mentioned, you know, the 2023 in particular was a very challenging year for you. I think that you'd shared that you were a caretaker for at least one of your parents. Is that right? Both of my parents. So um, my mother um, had COPD and she was in hospice care for the last six months of her life. She passed in um, March of 2023. And the I would say the entire like year and change preceding that, um, I was a pretty devoted and involved 
caregiver because she was local here to me in Chicago. Um, and my mom never remarried after my parents divorced. So she lived alone and there was just a, like a heavy burden on making sure that, and my sibling lives across the country. So there was a lot on me here to be her person. And then just as we were settling her like a state in the summer, my father was diagnosed with a very aggressive esophageal cancer and he passed in December. I had to be very active in his care as well um, once he entered hospice care and he was, he's not local to me. So there was a lot of airplanes and coordinating with my brother to like be where he needed to be. Um, and I spent very much like off and on the last six months of his life at his house, like every other week, trying to be a caregiver. So that in on top of like trying to be a, a parent to a kid at home and I'm not married, so I don't have another, uh, like a partner who's helping with that. So I was just I was spread very, very thin in 2023. And that takes a that takes a toll on you after a while. Did you find that there were any things, whether it's like things you were able to say or things you were able to do or boundaries you were able to set where this difficult thing that's not going to be easy was made easier for you? Were there people that either stepped in to help or you felt you could speak up at work or at home or in any of these roles? Were there any tools like that that helped you? I will say I am blessed with working for an amazing company. So I work for LinkedIn, uh, as a bunch of people may or may not know. We are a very human first kind of company to begin with. So I always felt very supported throughout this. And I felt like the company and very specifically my boss have been incredibly uh, adaptable and flexible and pr like encouraged me at all times to prioritize my family and to take the time that I needed and was flexible about like where I was working and how I was getting things done. And so just that grace that work extended me through that very difficult time, I realized that's not a luxury a lot of people have. And I don't take it for granted because it made all the difference in the world to me. Therapy. I go to therapy pretty intensively and uh, I don't shy away from that. I think everybody needs mental health care. Like I, we, we shouldn't wait, just like you don't wait for a disease to go to the doctor, like you shouldn't wait for a mental health crisis to go to therapy. So I'm a big proponent of therapy. I ride horses outside of work. So time is like the most analog thing in the world, but being at the barn and being able to like shut off my phone and it's, some, it's something my daughter and I share. So it's good bonding time for us. And it really gets me out of my own head. Um, so it was very much a sanctuary for me on my hardest days because I, my horse doesn't care if I'm, my hair is washed. My horse doesn't care if I have makeup on. My horse, like my horse doesn't care if I've been crying all morning. Like the horse doesn't care. I, I could just go to the barn and be present. And it was very healing for me in a lot of ways. I love that because it echoes a conversation I was having with a, a close friend who, you know, I said, what are your hobbies? Uh, she's going through a lot of kind of early stages of burnout and having gone through the real depths of that, you know, I would love to have her prevent hitting that wall. Um, but I asked her about her hobbies and she said, well, I'm, I'm taking a course right now. I said, oh, what on what? It's Miss Excel's course on spreadsheets. And I said, love that. That's professional development. And listen, I'm a systems girly. I know the the joy of unlocking the next set of knowledge, but I was like, that's not it. So uh, I was just encouraging her to do something analog that had nothing to do with work. And I think like, it's so interesting to hear you say that because it's almost like a childhood wonder, right? Like it's a, the yeah. joy that we felt as children. Uh, for me, it's dance. Like I am not a dancer. I did not dance as a kid. I am not particularly good, but it just does something for me. And I take 
my Apple watch off, the phone is gone. I'm like, nobody can find me. And it's just, so I love that horses, dancing, whatever it is. And don't get me wrong, like I'm I'm a pretty terrible horseback rider, all things considered. (laughs) Um, My kid rides circles around me, but I still just, even the act of like being at the barn and being with the horses and um, is very soul soothing to me. So I think everybody's got to kind of find what their thing is, but as much as I support taking an Excel course, it's probably not right. the most like, Maybe not. yeah, you know, so like it, not everything needs to be about productivity and output. Sometimes it needs to be about like spending time with yourself or yeah. things that, that intrigue your heart and soul and not just yeah. your brain, because man, that's a trap. It's really easy to fall into. This is going to dovetail into my next question. But I think like the other thing that I really have to confront in myself is, you know, I have this identity of I am this thing. Like these, this is what I'm good at. This is my zone of genius. And I feel very empowered by that. But when I spend too much time like only working on that, I feel like it's it's a trap, right? Like I don't have anything else that is interesting that, or that's just for me. So the dance, the horses, all of that. You've talking about systems. You've said you're neuro spicy, which I love. <laughs> you've talked about ADHD. You've talked about you know systems. This is a topic that's so interesting to me because some of my favorite visionaries to hang out with and to work with and to be inspired by are neuro spicy, right? And so, like where my brain loves things in a very linear, planned out way. I actually think like of my friends who are doing big, bold things, I'm in the minority. So I'd love to hear from your perspective, what has that journey been like kind of diving into how your brain works and how you tick and how have you actually used that to advance, whether it's career or personal reflection? Talk about that if you would. I think I have kind of a foot in both the like systems and tools to a point, And then it all breaks down for me because my brain is a chaotic, rusty hamster wheel that never really stops. And at a certain point, I am an Overthinkers Anonymous member where I can just end up in this paralysis loop of analyzing building systems. And I spend all this time like building the systems and not using the systems. So it can be a very easy trap for me to fall into. I think what has worked for me is to some degree embracing the mess that is my brain and knowing that my brain is always going to be three steps ahead of me in some ways. That's not always a positive thing. One thing that helps me immensely is journaling. Um, I'm a writer by nature, so that that medium happens to be very helpful for me. But if you're not familiar with the book, The Artist's Way, um, and her practice of morning pages, I very much adapted and, and took that on myself. And morning pages are not designed to be like a carefully crafted journal entry. It's a brain dump and it is a stream of consciousness as it gets. And sometimes you go back and it's like, wow, that's really cringe. The stuff that I was writing like a few months ago, but I find that that really helps me like have an exit ramp for the things that are in my brain and just can, I can vomit them out on a, on a page and my brain feels a lot more clear after that. And I go back to, I've also learned that because I too have too much of my identity over the years has been tied to my professional output. Like this is who I am as a professional. So that's where my worth lies. I've had to do a lot of work to detach myself from my, my job and my professional role as the sum total of who I am and how I show up. 
Um, and again, you know, losing your parents gives you a lot of perspective because a lot of people like nobody sits on their deathbed and is like, God, I really wish I'd worked more. or I wish I'd built more, you know, spreadsheet systems like nobody does that. So it, it forces you to take stock of what you actually care about. I realized that I don't want to work endlessly. I don't care about the title on my business card. I don't care about fame or any of those kinds of things. I care about raising a daughter who's a good human and spending time with her. She's about to go to college in a year and a half. So like, how am I spending time with her? And time away from my desk. So like, am I getting out for a walk? Am I getting to the barn? Am I spending time out on my deck when the weather's nice? Like not in February in Chicago, but... Um, <laughs> You know, am I finding the harmony of work and life on an ongoing basis? And am I checking in with myself on how those things are trending for me? Because after a while, you get pretty good at, at least I've gotten pretty good at reading myself. And when I'm feeling off, I can usually look at it and be like, something's out of whack. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's usually not a system or tool that's going to fix it. It's probably fewer for me than, than yeah. more. Yeah. Yeah. Or for me, it's sleep. Like, isn't that the, the most interesting wow. thing? I really had to be like, Hey, dummy, if you don't yeah. sleep, your brain doesn't work. And really like boiling it down to the most simple thing. Like if I'm being crabby or if I'm short, yeah. Like, am I hungry? Am I sleepy? Am I hormonal? And yes. I, I actually really love like really trusting my gut in that. So you said that you feel like you're, you're taking deep breaths just in the last three months, when you look right. ahead to the the next, let's say the next year and a half, because it sounds like your life is going to change fairly significantly when your daughter's off to college. What what are you most excited about? On the professional front, I've like, I, I think I've, I've found a little bit of my groove for writing again. I was just, I was so devoid of inspiration and motivation to write and create. And some of that was fueled by doubt. Some of it was fueled by just burnout. Like I just didn't have the energy or the wherewithal or the time, you know, to devote to that. So I've sort of found some drive again to re dust off that like languishing book proposal that I've been working on for years and like, and rededicate myself to some of that. So my daughter has a horse and I bought a horse with my, um, my, my best friend, um, a very young, like off the track racehorse. So I'm spending a lot of time at the barn, like training. And that's very gratifying to me anyway, that's not professional. Um, but it's like a passion of mine. And again, just like soaking up every minute of these last couple of years I have with my daughter, like helping her think about college and, uh, make plans for that. Like she's one of the coolest people I know. So I'm just trying to enjoy every minute that I have um, because I know it's fleeting and I'm not yeah. going to have those days forever. Yeah. And, you know, not to be too, I don't know, melancholy about it or, or sanguine about it, but, you know, just you even really having this most recent experience with your own parents and having oh, the yeah. breakthrough and, and having the gift of time, um, you know, and I'm sure again, there were days when it was incredibly difficult, but the gift of time, that's been a, a big eye opener for me too, as the mom of, of two kids. And really like yep. I used to joke, you know, they're always watching. Cause it would be, if I'm doing a workout, like they want to lift with their little, their, their little weights, or if I'm, you know, writing in a notebook, they want to write in a notebook, but it's feeling so much heavier now understanding that they really are watching and learning from us. 
Um, and so I, I'm just sharing in that same, I'm a few years behind you in terms of how long, you know, I've got with my kids, but I think just, and like the permission structure that I think we almost have to give ourselves as women in, in you know, in leadership roles and in business. Um, you had shared something on LinkedIn that just, I mean, it made me laugh. It wasn't humor, but you were talking <laughs> about how you were with your daughter and she's doing equestrian and someone was asking about, you know, well, what does her father do or how does her father afford oh, this? Yeah. And I just was like, oh, here we are. Even Amber in 2024, like, you know, is, is going through it too. Um, yeah, that's and I'm just like, I just, like having our, our women or, you know, our young women and our young men really having uh, people to look up to and, and spending that quality time, I think is, is really important. So I'm glad that you're doing it and I'm glad that you feel like joy around it too. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Like I, I have screwed it up like plenty, you know, my daughter well, and I, club some... too. we're in, we're in the, the overthinkers club, the therapy club, the <laughs> burnout club, and now the imperfect parents club. I've had some like, you know, tough and deep conversations with my kid and she calls me on it when I've got it wrong. And, you know, we've had some emotionally heavy discussions about making sure that we're giving to each other in the ways that we need and that I'm showing up for her in ways that are um, right for her. And I've had to make sure that she understands too, like all the things I'm trying to balance and how mm -hmm. I'm trying to provide for us or, you know, create security for her. And sometimes those things require choices and sacrifices mm -hmm. and I can't be all the places I want to be at all the time. So like it's, it is a, a balancing act that is never quite right. Um, so I don't want to make it out to be like, I've got this nailed cause I, I don't, uh, I'm doing my damnedest, but um my kid and I try to communicate really openly. And I think that helps a lot because it, it makes the real time course corrections a lot easier. It's interesting too, when I hear myself using therapy speak with my kids and then I hear them parroting it back to me. And I really just think, well, that's okay, great. Therapy is actually now a generational investment that I've made. You're welcome, children. I've given you the tools that I did not have at 11 or eight. Uh, but it is sometimes funny to have them literally using my words right back to me. And I was like, oh, son of a, I gave them that. <laughs> I gave them yeah, that and tool. Really funny. And my daughter, you know, she, I, I absolutely like got her engaged in therapy at a young age when it was clear that, that she would benefit from that. And she asked for that kind of help. Um, so it's funny because like sometimes we therapize each other um, and we laugh a little bit about like the therapy speak that we end up using. But there are some really good tools in there that I think I, I absolutely attribute to our ability to have open conversations and to get the input of like qualified professionals to help us navigate some of those waters. Um, Cause man, it really does take a village. And sometimes that means professionals. <laughs> yes. Thank goodness for them. Well, Amber, I, I truly, I'm, I'm so thankful for you. I'm thankful for you one-on-one, -on -one, but I'm also just really thankful for the way that you role model the, the way that other people can walk through the world. And, and I will just say, I know that none of it is performative, right? Like I know that you're just out here like I'm Amber doing my best for Amber and this is what it looks like today. But Most I, of this I, is many people. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, my husband who's not on social media is like, truly has no judgment. He's just miffed. Oh, like, what do you mean? Like you just showed what you ate for lunch. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, but also like, 
people need to know that it's okay to eat lunch, right? Like I'm like, I'm somebody who worked through every lunch break for years and years. And so I, but it is funny to have other people like bring whatever perspective they have. I actually think it's really healthy too, to have somebody that will keep you in check for, you know, like whether it's a person or someone who just truly does not care about your followers, your influence or who you are. So um, yeah, surround yourself with- Most important people in my life couldn't care less about any of that kind of stuff. So, you know, I'm the weird anomaly that gets made fun of. Listen, I, I love it. And I know you will keep posting um, and please do. It has made a real impact on me. And I know that I'm really just representing so many people um, and a lot of people that probably just don't ever comment or even like a post, but they see it and they feel seen. Um, so I just, I'm really appreciative of that. And thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing your story. I'm so excited to see what 2024 and beyond looks like for you, Amber. Thanks. Well, nowhere to go but up, but I really appreciate you having me. I enjoyed our chat. Amber is such a joy to me. And if you were inspired by what she shared today, or if you'd like to read her newsletter, if you'd like to see her posts that I shared a little bit about during our interview, she is, of course, on LinkedIn. She's Amber Nasland on LinkedIn. She's also on threads at Amber Cadabra. That's one of my most favorite social media names. Amber Nasland truly is doing such important work in the leadership community, in the B2B and even B2C business communities when she's talking about marketing and sales. And at any level, I know that you will be inspired to take action in your life professionally and personally and finding that joy and that perspective. I think Amber really reminded me to do that. And I hope that you have the same takeaway. As always, thank you for listening and I'll see you on the next episode of Hard Costs. Thank you for listening to this episode. My hope is that through someone else's journey, you're able to find what you need to keep going because a rising tide lifts all boats. Doing business is hard, but none of us has to navigate it alone. So make sure you share this with a friend or a colleague who needs to hear this message. And I would love for you to write a review so we can keep getting these incredible founder stories to as many people as possible. If you liked this episode and want to learn more about my services or would like to book me as a speaker for your next event, head to katiewidrick.com. I'll see you on the next episode of Hard Costs.